guys, I'm super excited to be back with you and talk about, to me, what I feel is the highest priority in life. Uh, the most significant thing I believe we can do as humans, this side of heaven, and that is intimately loving Jesus, you know, uh, spending time with Jesus in the secret place. And I'm going to hopefully bring you through a few scriptures to highlight the emphasis on this and also tell you a little bit about my story how I journeyed into this uh, life of loving Jesus and spending time with Him. And, and you never fully arrive, but it's just an ongoing life of intimately falling more and more in love with Jesus. And some practical tips we can hopefully apply, you know, day to day in loving Jesus. And so right out of the gate, I just want to make that, that emphasis that we, we all must know the, the most valuable thing that we've been given is the ability to spend time with Jesus. Often we kind of get that confused with what God does through us and, and how God uses us, which is very important as well, and Scripture alludes to that. But we, we need never get away from the understanding that the most valuable thing you can ever do, no matter what your calling is, where you're at now in life, is spend time with Jesus and love Him. And that's really uh, the most prominent way that any of us will fulfill destiny as it is, you know, I've, I've seen often where people start to veer from that secret place and that's how quickly you can get outside of destiny and miss the will of God for your life. But as the Bible says, Jesus said, abide in me and let me abide in you and then you will bear much fruit. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I pray that from this message, this quick teaching that we would become a people that above all fall in love with Jesus like never before, uh, become intimate lovers of Jesus and really uh, sustain and build a, a very solid place of spending time in prayer and intimately uh, with the Lord. So first I wanna read out of Matthew chapter 22, uh, a very powerful passage where you see um, the religious people that were trying to set Jesus up really and so uh, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 38, I'll read it to you. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, so one of the Pharisees, a lawyer, uh, asked him a question to test him. So basically, you have a religious company, and they just found out that Jesus silenced the other religious company, the Sadducees. And they thought, hmm, we've got to come about this a different way to trap Jesus, you know, and maybe corner him and test him. So, of course, they picked a, a lawyer, you know, because lawyers are very good at um, setting you up in a certain way to get what they want out of you, whether they're trying to trap you or corner you. Um, and so they come, and the lawyer asks a question to test him, and he says, Teacher, this is right to Jesus, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, they were trying to trap him, you know, get him confused and what he would say. Obviously, Jesus, the flawless Lamb of God, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And then listen to this. Jesus goes on to say, This is not only the first commandment, but the great commandment, the greatest of all. So Jesus wasn't trapped at all. He answered their question. They said, What's the great commandment? Like, what, what are we to obey? in most fulfilling God and destiny for our life. 
And Jesus says, listen, guys, even though it was a religious spirit, it was still humanity, which he came to die for and, and he loved so dearly. He says, the greatest and first commandment, meaning the, the highest priority of anything you can ever do in everyday life is love the Lord your God with your whole heart and with all of your mind and your soul. Basically, uh, fall head over heels in love with God and give him your, your whole heart. You know, uh, the Old Testament says that God's eyes run to and fro throughout the earth, back and forth, looking for hearts that are fully after him. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, fully, fully having your heart towards God. And so, you know, Jesus is he, right there. He makes a very stable and concrete statement in saying the first and greatest thing you can ever do. Don't, don't ever get it mixed up. And that's what I want to make sure and make clear to you today is sometimes you can get busy in life. Even I've been there before. I understand as, as a minister, we have a very busy schedule. And as Christians, we can get uh, busy in doing and forget that God cares more about your being and becoming in him and becoming like him versus what you do. Uh, works are very important, but intimacy and falling in love with Jesus is, is always the highest uh, purpose in life. You also see in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that Jesus called the disciples to himself. If you read closely, it says Jesus picked out the disciples. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And if you read closely, it says he called them to first be with him. Then, so he could send them out. So the, the first and great command is always to be with Jesus intimately, to know him, to begin to learn his presence and his voice and the cares of his heart. And, you know, God is real. Jesus is alive. This isn't some religious duty that we do. This is a real relationship we're talking about with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can really cultivate this and intimately walk with Jesus in such a precious and powerful way that it transforms our life. And it no, no longer becomes religion and just studying certain facets of theology from a book. You, you literally start to become to fall in love with the author of the book, God himself. You know, and there's a big difference. Um, you know, when Jesus came into the earth, the Pharisees and Sadducees, it says they didn't even realize that Jesus was the son of God. And Jesus says, if they would have only known, because they, they love the scriptures, Pharisees and Sadducees, I mean, a lot of them would have the Old Testament just about memorized. And here comes Jesus into the New Testament. And he says, if they only knew the scriptures that they know so well and adhere to so tightly, those scriptures speak of me. And now here I am, God in flesh, and, and they missed me. You know, so, uh, and the Bible says the letter alone kills, but the spirit brings life. So we need to always make sure we, we stay in love with Jesus and the author of the book, that it may never get into, you know, religion. So Jesus calls the disciples to be with him first intimately, spend time with him. They walked with him for three years. And that way he could then commission them and send them out, which is the second command, to love your neighbor as yourself. But it's, it's always first is loving God, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, you see in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, another very profound verse with Peter and John. It says they were preaching the gospel and uh, very, with such a boldness. And uh, the religious people were very amazed. They, they didn't realize the anointing that were on Peter and John and where it came from. If you read in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it literally says that they were confused because they're looking at what they saw is untrained, ordinary, common men. 
and they, they said to themselves, how is there so much power and authority upon these guys? And then they realized that it says, oh, they've been with Jesus. And you see, that was the key. They've, they've spent time with, with God and intimately knowing him. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to really see uh, destiny come to fruition and walk out the high purposes that God has for your life, uh, you must spend time with him every day. And um, you know, this isn't to be legalistic or something that's like a have to, while yet sometimes, you know, it takes diligence at first, but it becomes a, an addiction, a desire to. L literally, Jesus becomes everything to you, his presence and his voice. And, um, you know, you begin to, begin to cultivate this relationship, and he's literally the life source to all things that, which you do. Um, you, you also see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, that the sons of Eli, this is in the Old Testament, Eli was the high priest of the day. He was basically the religious leader of the day. And these were the sons of Eli. So they even had religious credit and credibility and a platform that everybody knew like, oh my goodness, you know, they're the sons of Eli, a high priest. So if anybody's religious, it would be them. But the scripture, read it for yourself. It literally says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says the sons of Eli were worthless men for they knew not the Lord. It's a very small verse, but it's so powerful because it tells you that God's value upon humanity really reflects how much they know the Lord or not. He doesn't care how gifted you may be, although God uses those gifts that he's given us and strengthen us in and certain talents. But the Bible says the sons of Eli were worthless men. Why? Because they knew not the Lord. And so I'm here to tell you, uh, your value is directly connected to how intimately you know Jesus and walk with him. And the, the enemy sees that. The devil can see that. He sees people that know Jesus deeply and others that don't, you know. Um, and, you know, you even see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, where preachers came to the Lord and they said, Lord, Lord, you know, we prophesied in your name. You know, that means that's a spiritual gift to foretell the future. Uh, we cast out devils in your name, they said. We've, d we've, did, we've done many mighty exploits in your name. And, and they even called him Lord, Lord, meaning in their mind, they thought he was the ruler of their life. And if you read closely, the Lord looks at them for a while and he says, sorry, I don't know you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. It's a very, very unique verse. I mean, because they're, they're prophesying casting out devils and doing many mighty exploits. But yet Jesus says they were workers of iniquity. And the difference there is, is because they were doing it out of their own strength. They had tapped into the gifts, which the Bible says God's gifts are irrevocable, meaning when he placed gifts upon you, he'll never take them back. So you can still work gifts of the spirit, but not be intimately connected with the Lord. And so they weren't doing this out of obedience to the Spirit of God and intimately, you know, knowing Jesus. And that's a real detrim detrimental place to be in. So the Lord said, look, guys, I don't know you. And the word he used know right there is what Mary used, the same word where she said, I didn't know Joseph, meaning intimately, in a real bridal and bridegroom way of intimacy. And so I'm here to tell you, works are very powerful. We always want to be used by God. Even the, you know, the book of Revelation says we'll be rewarded according to what we've done. In Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38 and, and 42, 
where Jesus is at you know, their house and Martha and Mary, we all know the story, uh, they're, they're there. And Martha, a very good heart, but she's busy doing all kind of things for the Lord and trying to just keep up the house and probably cook and clean. And Mary is just sitting literally at the feet of Jesus, listening, just hanging on to every word he's got to say. And that's a picture of the secret place. Every day we must carve out time to be with him and listen and sit at the feet of Jesus. Let his presence wash over us. His presence fill us as people of life and virtue and power and freedom. And let him speak his voice into us and then you know, walk out life from that place. And so uh, Martha gets frustrated, you know, rightfully so. She looks at Mary and it's like, Mary, you know, she's not doing anything productive. Like, tell her something, Lord. I mean, I'm doing all this work by myself. And the Lord literally says in Luke chapter 10, you can read it, verses 38 through 42. He, he looks to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better part, meaning that it's more valuable what she's doing right now than the works and the busy. And so, again, it's very good to work for God in, in, in the kingdom, but it's always the better, more important part to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And we've got to be a people that cultivate that secret place of loving the Lord and, and loving him well. And um, so you, you even see uh, Jesus in John chapter 6, uh, you know, he comes in and he says, I am the manna that came down from heaven. And even in the Lord's prayer, he, you know, he, he looks up and he says, Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then there's one verse where he says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And of course he was speaking about provision, but also that daily bread is Jesus as the manna from heaven that comes down daily. And we've got to spend time with the Lord daily in the secret place. Uh, because you see the manna in the Old Testament would fall down every day. And if you didn't partake of it for that day, say on Monday, all of a sudden the manna comes down. Actually, the book of Psalms calls it the bread of angels. I believe angels would deliver the bread and it would descend upon the earth. And the, the sons of Israel would, the children of Israel would partake of that bread for that day. And if they didn't eat the bread on Monday, the bread for Monday would rot and go bad. So meaning it wouldn't be good for Tuesday. Same thing would happen on Tuesday. Bread, fresh bread would come. And they would go to eat. And those who didn't eat, they would miss out for that day because Tuesday's bread would not be good anymore for Wednesday. Wednesday's bread would not be good for Thursday and so on. Well, this was the manna that came down from heaven. Well, you fast forward to the New Testament, John chapter 6, and Jesus says, hey guys, look, listen to me. I am the manna that has come down from heaven. Meaning the manna you partook, partook of every day back then, partake of me. Take, eat my flesh, drink my blood, that I may become one with you. And um, we've got to learn to cultivate this secret place of, you know, every day spending time with the Lord, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because God's presence is there every day to consume us and fill us and empower us and also speak to us and commission us into what we are to do. And so when you begin to neglect the secret place of spending time, you know, with, in prayer, it's kind of like a car without gasoline. You say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm gifted, I can do so many things, I may be able to teach and preach the Word of God, or, you know, I'm doing great at the marketplace or in my career. And that's like having a car. But in the true 
um, window of heaven looking at it through destiny, if you don't spend time with the Lord, your, your gasoline begins to run out in your tank. And you go to crank your car, and it, while everything works, the electronics, great steering, beautiful car on the outside of life, the spirit is the gasoline that fuels us to live this thing out and fills us every day. And so um, we've really got to cultivate this time of just falling in love with Jesus again. You know, be, the Bible says even in the book of Revelation that this one church, Ephesus, Jesus had against them that they, they had fallen from their first love. And if you read, they did plenty of good works, but again, they had fallen from the first love in Jesus Christ. And um, I'm here to tell you that lovers of Jesus are the most powerful people that you'll ever see walk on the earth. You know, they come out of his presence free. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. They don't re really get attracted or di distracted by the world. They're light and salt in the world. And uh, the problem is when the salt goes bad, it's useless. But if you remain in the presence of God, the salt always stays fresh and the light is always full of power and transforms and you just start to get around people. I've seen this in my own life and you get around lost loved ones and people that just don't know Jesus real well and they sense something different about you. They can just tell like there's something different about this guy, you know, he's just, there's a peace about him, a stability, a sound mind. He knows where he's going. He doesn't get easily offended over stuff. There's no competition. and ulterior motives in his heart and it's and it's just pure love because you're spending time in he who him who is love you know you can only become like that which you spend time with and so you begin to dwell in the presence of God and his likeness consumes you and then you come out and you become you know like his presence in the earth and so just want to encourage you every day of your life to carve out time of prayer and spending time in the word of God you know, um, the Bible even says being filled with the Spirit and praying in uh, tongues, unknown tongues. It's a heavenly language given by the Spirit, and that will edify your spirit to strengthen you. Um, there's also worship. There'll be times where I just recommend beginning to sing songs to the Lord of adoration and worship to Him. And he, His presence will begin to come in that way. Uh, there's other times I'll turn on instrumental music and, and just set the atmosphere. You see this in the Old Testament with the prophet Elisha. He was, he was about to prophesy over a king. And he says, get for me the instrumentalists. And it says when they came and started playing the instruments, you know, and set the atmosphere with a heavenly melody, uh, a heavenly instrument background, it says then the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he began to prophesy. So some of you may even want to go into your quiet place and set on some heavenly instrumental music and watch the spirit of God begin to come upon you and transform you. And... Um, you know, you just want to make up that, that time with the Lord every day. Uh, the Bible says Jesus got up in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus got up well before the sun and went to a solitude place to, to be in prayer with the Father. And so whatever time it is that works out for your schedule, I know some people like the middle part of the day. Some people like the evening. I like the early morning hours. But every day, give us this day our daily bread. You know, far too often I see Christians rely upon the Wednesday night services at church or Sunday services, and they're getting secondhand bread from the leaders and pastors when we should all be getting the manna of Jesus Christ ourselves every day. And we should come to church full to empower the, the body in the house of God. <clears throat> so, you know, you even see in, the, uh, in paradise with Adam, he would walk in the cool of the day with God. Every day, and so the very first time he fell into sin, 
He didn't show up, and God said, Adam, where are you? And this is how God is every day. If you begin to neglect the secret places, he's asking, where are you? He's not upset at you. He loves you. He'll forgive you and pick you back up and bring you back into himself. But he wants to have that walk of the cool of the day with you every day. And you won't believe how it will transform your life. All of destiny will come alive. Um, the very reason by which you were born will start to make sense. Uh, God's voice will become very, very clear. And it will allow you to obey more accurately. You know, you can only obey to the accuracy at which you hear. So intimate lovers of Jesus, they get so close, like John the Beloved, to the chest of Jesus that they begin to hear his very heartbeat and what makes Jesus' heart beat and what he cares about and where is he going next. And so they follow very accurately. Uh, people that are at a distance from the Lord, they, they hear more broadly. They don't hear God's voice as clear. He says, my sheep will know my voice. So sheep follow the shepherd very closely, and intimacy enables that. And so you start to hear his voice very clearly and then begin to walk out, you know, destiny to such an accurate level. You make a lot mes less mistakes that way. You know, versus Martha, you stay so busy and you're not at the feet of Jesus and you can't hear what he's telling you or you don't get empowered by the Spirit of God. And this is often how people get weary and uh, in doing good. The Bible says, don't be weary in doing good, um, but we need to take the yoke of the Lord upon us. Matthew 11, verse 29. And it, you know, it says, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for it's easy and my burden is light. And that's what knowing Jesus does. It really takes you into a place of hearing his voice and uh, following him to such a greater capacity that uh, you'll never be the same again. So just want to encourage you guys, find a place. I do this every house I'm in. So I've been born again, let me see, almost 20 years now. And uh, no, yeah, 20 years now. Um, I'm actually right at two decades of walking with Jesus and have moved many times over the years, different houses. And literally one of the first things I do when I get a house is I find a secret place, a closet, a room, whatever it may be where I can best spend time with Jesus. And that's, that room always matters to me the most. I'll make sure and deck it out real nice. I'll put surround sound and dim lights and my favorite chair. And I make it very, very special. Because, you know, the Bible says, go into the closet, shut the door, and be with God. And that which you do in secret, he'll reward you in public. And so I just want to encourage you to find a place uh, to be with him every day. Set a time. You know, God's not religious and legalistic like this, but we need the discipline, to be honest with you, because as humans, we can kind of be very sporadic in life. We'll do good in some seasons, like a roller coaster. We'll go up, be on the high heights, and come down and miss it other times. And, and the enemy, I've seen it, when, when you don't have a stable, intimate life, he doesn't care if you have high heights. He'll just wait till you, your weaker seasons, and he'll hit you then and come against you and take you out. But those that fly high, Isaiah 40, those who wait upon the Lord, will ascend on wings like eagles, and they just fly high, and the enemy can't get to them. You know, they just can't really stop them. And so you want to find a place, a time every day to be with the Lord. And, and you may miss it some days, but don't be hard upon yourself. Just get back up and, and partake of that daily bread, that daily manna of letting the, the word of the Lord consume you, his presence transform you. And I promise you, you'll begin to see acceleration upon your life. He'll begin to purge you and purify things out of you that you just never saw before. And uh, it, it'll transform you like you, you've never, ever seen. So a time, a place, loving Jesus, daily bread, and uh, let him transform you. 
in that place. You, you won't regret it, trust me. You, you want to become a lover of Jesus. May it be said of you, uh, if there, you know, life wraps up and it's written on your tombstone, you want it to be said, this was a lover of Jesus. You know, this whole book concludes with the spirit and the bride saying, come. This thing's really a love journey. It's a love story. So fall in love with Jesus, develop a really, really strong secret place and intimate time of being with him. And trust me, you won't regret it. You'll see destiny fulfilled and, and give God glory all the days of your life. Mm -hmm.